You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our wonderful listeners, especially those in the United States that are celebrating Thanksgiving on the day this episode is going to be released. And welcome in to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all in the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and joining me today is Brent Bergerham. What's up, Brent? Hello, Jeff. Good to be here with you again. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, to you too. I'm I'm so happy. The holidays are can be fun. <laughs> yes. Can be a fun time. We're going to have some, some fun with that uh, in this episode, I think. And uh, it, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to to talking about these things with you. I do want to mention before we get started, this will be the last time we do this. I know everyone's heard it a bunch now. Uh, we have our listener survey. Single question. We just want to know, what is the primary software you use to edit your photos? So if you would go and click on that link in the show notes, that would be most helpful if you would just tell us that, take 30 seconds and go do that. We'd really appreciate your support there. And uh, we won't talk about it again for a while until the next time we decide we need a listener survey. But go, go check that out. All right. Today's episode is all about holiday family photo tips. And maybe a little inspired because of the wonderful episode that you and Levi did last week. So in November 2019, there's an episode about uh, outdoor family portraits you did with Levi Brent. And that was a fabulous episode. Thank you. It is it's so much fun talking with Levi just about really anything because, right? I mean, we can just go on and he and I are both those, the type, you know, you, you crack open that nut of talking about photography and we'll just talk your ear off. So it was, um, it was, it was definitely a lot of fun and I'm glad so many people enjoyed it. And it's exactly what I was because I was contemplating, you know, I'm probably going to get asked to do photos or <laughs> right. I'm going to want to do photos, portraits. I, yeah, I know how to approach them, but I just want a refresher. I just wanted something. And I'm glad we're doing this today, too, because it just takes us to that next step of, you know, other thoughts we need to think about. Uh, you know, we focus on outdoor for, uh, portraits then uh, on that show last week. And, you know, this is just in, in just extending that that conversation a little bit. Yeah, so we, we want to ho- focus on kind of something that's probably going to end up being indoors a good portion of the time, especially in the United States here where it's the seasons have changed to much colder weather and uh, people aren't as apt to want to be outside to take their shots. There's still areas where that might be a possibility. And, and last week's episode was more like uh, family portraits, maybe more like a single family, not a big massive group shot. Yeah. And uh, today we're going to try to share the top tips that we have for how to uh, have a successful and fun holiday family portrait. So uh, I'm excited about this because I've shared some similar tips like this before in the past. I've done previous episodes on the topic, but my experience has continued to increase in this area. And so my tips and, and the things that I think are most important uh, are changing over time, and I, I'm just excited to kind of refresh the topic a little bit and, and provide some advice. Plus, we have tons of listeners who don't go back and listen to the previous episodes, so it's it's kind of nice to revisit topics and share advice with uh, with people who are more are newer to the show. So I'm I'm really excited. You ready to get going on this? Yeah, let's do it. All right, this is going to be really fun. Okay, so 
Um, let's start. The, I, I ordered them as they came to me. And as I was looking through the show notes, uh, you know, one last time before we started recording, I thought, actually, I'd, I'd probably reorder these a little bit as far as like priority wise, or if someone has never done this before, making sort of a checklist for you of what you should do. This is probably not in the right order for that. So you may need to go through and, and maybe in a future episode when we revisit this topic, I'll make sure to think about like a checklist priority order. But these are the, they're in the order they're in right now. So we're going to just attack yeah. them that way. But um, the very first thing is probably what I would actually put as the number one priority that I would give. And that's relax. <laughs> My tip Which is, is so hard to do. It is. It is so <laughs> tough to do oh. this, but you've got to relax. And and here's what I mean by that. If, there, if anything I have learned is the way that you are feeling, the way that you are, if you're running around and you are stressed and you are rushed and uh, you're really being short with people, those feelings are going to be reflected in the people that you're taking photos of. And so if if you want a photo of people who look stressed and rushed and and uh not happy then then go ahead and be that way. But if you want people to look happy and like this was fun for them, you got to do everything you can to be just relaxed and not stressed out. Be happy uh, Levi shared last week, and this is a great tip for any portrait situation, no matter outdoor, indoor, single, family, big group, whatever it is, uh, being like over the top bubbly and even with, with kids being silly can really help like just kind of lower the mood <laughs> and relax things so that everyone can has a much better shot at having nice uh, smiles and, and genuinely feeling happy in the photos, you can just tell when people are genuinely happy versus those that are faking it. Um, and it all starts with you, which puts a lot of pressure on you at the beginning, knowing that going into this thing, you're like, okay, I have to be relaxed. I have to be relaxed. Right. It is tough to, to be thinking through that as you're doing it. Um, yeah. Anything else that you think of there, Brent, with being relaxed? Well, it- yeah, it's difficult because especially if you're newer at this, you're just really nervous and you're just not sure if it's going to work kind of a right. thing. You're just you're just trying to think about all the details and you've just got all the you know, just junk going on in your head. But yes, there is no better way to ruin a session than for you to be just even a little bit on edge. Right. And I totally know from experience I have done that myself. And it is probably one of the reasons I don't do it very often is is shooting the portraits, but um, it's just not a comfortable place uh, to be with that. But it just magnifies on on the people, and especially you mentioned like if you're being short with someone like that. Oh yeah, there's no quicker way to ruin a relationship either <laughs> right. than to have one tiny little ounce of a comment that. You might not think you yourself are being all that, you know, antsy about or whatever, but they might, because the family is probably fairly, they got a lot of stuff going on too. There's lots of things always happening, whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, pick your holiday, and they've got things on edge too. And for you to come in and just push them over that edge, you know, you want to bring them back and it's your job, hopefully, to be able to successfully make that 
something that goes smoothly and whatever it takes for you to do that, fake it till you make it kind of a thing because right. the happy and bubbly Sometimes those types, quote unquote, of people are annoying, but go ahead and be that <laughs> annoying person for a little while. And it's okay in this situation. Yeah. People kind of expect it and they need it. They don't know they need it. Um, right. You know, no one's going to say, oh, man, I loved having a, a photo shoot with because he was just so happy to come and do it. But it does really set the tone, set the mood for the photo. If If you want a happy looking photo... You just have to have a happy kind of mood and, and vibe going on, and you're not going to get that if you are totally stressed out, which I, it is totally true, Brent. If this is the first time someone's ever done this, that is going to be super hard <laughs> to make yeah. this be that way because you're going to be – it's going to be just so hard to overcome the stress that you're feeling having never actually done this before – and so getting practice with their, like, you know, a less stressful situation to act will certainly help with that. But eventually you're going to have to have it's my first paid shoot kind of thing. And it's this is tough, but that that's why it's on my list. Like very, very first, you've got to do everything you can to whatever your Zen thing is to calm you down. <laughs> you've you've got to get there and uh, and relax. All right. Well, and even if this is your 10th, you know, yeah, 20th yeah. session that you're doing, there still might be some baggage that you're bringing to the table. And it can be hard to leave that behind as well. And it's just important to be in that moment and forget about those troubles for a little bit. If there's something going on otherwise that you're stressed about, just just focus, get in the moment, you know what you're doing and and make it happen. Yeah. Okay, number two on my list. Again, not really necessarily priority order, just the second thing I thought of that was was really important. Um, having a, 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 the, a, the discussion with the adults that are going to be in the photo is, is something that I probably don't do quite enough of. I really need to make sure. When I do remember to really engage with the adults and tell them what their job is during the shoot things go way, way better. Sometimes I'm, I don't remember to do it. So really important to me. And Levi talked about this last week too, with the outdoor portrait shoots. Um, we've got to kind of tell the adult adults what their job is. And that is just a smile and look at the camera. They're not supposed to be, they are not in charge of corralling the kids in that moment. They're not in charge of making sure those kids are looking forward and smiling. And uh, you probably most important might be get with, especially if this is like your own family, but if it's a paid shoot, you need to get with whoever's like most invested in this photo. <laughs> Who is it mm -hmm. that's got the most they care about? Mom or grandma, probably in the in most situations. They're the people who care the very most about this. And make sure they know that this is not their job to pose everyone and get everyone looking and smiling their job, their only job is to look at the camera and smile. And that, and, and you know, I even like telling them, like, I have had so many photos ruined because the person who cares most about the photo is not looking at the camera and smiling. They're trying to get everyone else in line. And that's not helpful. That's going to ruin photos. And uh, so Levi talked about that. And I wanted to share it again because it's such an important thing to do. It goes way better when I remember to address it with the adults beforehand, their only job is to look at the camera and smile. 
And I will make sure, or, or assistants will make sure we have people posed well, we have people smiling, and we're going to take a bunch of shots. We're going to try to, we're going to, we're going to make it so that we can merge them together and we'll just keep working with it until we have everybody has looked at least one shot and looked in, and smiled at the camera uh, so right. that they can have it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the adults need to be relaxed too. Um, <laughs> like we talked about the whole vibe, the whole mood of the room is going to reflect you. It's going to reflect too from grandma or mom who's most concerned about this. So um, ha- having them all be happy and, and doing it is is really important. You're going to have people who are grumpy. That's just probably how it is, especially if it's a larger group. If you've got multiple families that you're trying to get in together in a single shot, then uh, you're going to have dads men who are mostly most of the time it's the men who are like oh gosh i hate this thing (laughs) i don't want to be doing this this is horrible so you need to consider their situation too um if it's a thanksgiving photo we're releasing this episode on thanksgiving day so it's top of mind as we're recording um i don't do it during the football game if that's a big deal at at the house right (laughs) consider that like if if that's when you choose to like try to be pulling people together you're guaranteed to have some really grumpy people <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for the photo. That is not going to go well. So maybe try to consider and, and even work out beforehand if, if it's possible, if, if it's your own family, like, hey, grandma or mom really wants to get a photo of the group. When should we do it during the day? And if everyone gets to kind of say, all right, fine, if I have to do this, if we do it, you know, halftime of the football game or right after dessert or whatever the timing is where they'll be like, I can give, you know, 10 minutes to do this photo and pretend to be happy about it, then um, then you have a much better chance of having things go well. <laughs> it's, it's, it's important. Yes, definitely important. And this goes right into what we said, too, about being relaxed. Yeah, but yeah. Also, it helps them be relaxed when you're telling the the person that's you know effectively writing the check if you will the one who's most invested in this shoot it it gives them a sense that hey you know what you're doing you're in control you're going to make their life easier by simply asking them only to stand there and be a good example for the others right right cuz then there then you have someone that you can point to and say hey look so and so is doing it uh let's let's model that let's mimic that P- possibly that could work you know, there's got to be other tactics probably that you're going to be thinking about too is for dealing with, especially as they get younger and younger, you need to change your tactics. But uh, it sets the stage for that person and and it, it sets you up as knowing what you're doing and hopefully that gives them confidence and the nervousness goes down a little bit. Right. Okay, my third one, again, not really in like checklist order here, but planning. Um. And what I'm talking about here with planning is you don't want to like drag everyone over to do the photo or say, okay, everyone, it's time to do our photo now and then start putting up your lights and then start <laughs> start setting things up with your camera and getting your settings and, and making everyone stand around for like 30 minutes while you get the area set up. Now, there may be situations where you just really can't avoid that because you got to move furniture out of the way and clear a space for everyone to try to squeeze into and and take the photo. And and you, you don't have much of a choice there. It's going to take a little bit to get it set up. If it can be away from everyone else somehow, 
and you only have to you know ask for help from a couple of people to, to help you get the area going that's great or or do what you can to help to have everyone help and get engaged in setting it up be like hey this will go faster if all of you will help me move the furniture out of the way and and get things set up but the the planning to minimize how long people are waiting before you take the photo is what my my point is here and it, it's it's a tough thing to do this is a really hard concept I love being able to show up if I can, if it, even if it's a, a paid shoot. Um, I will try to say with the people that we're, we're shooting, either tell them to meet us at a location if, if it's not at their home. Uh, what Like later, I plan to be there way in advance and get stuff set up and, and try out camera settings and, and make sure all my equipment's working or whatever it is. If it's going to be in the home and I'm going to their home, then it'll be something more like, okay, I want to come at least a half hour before we want to shoot and uh, so that I can get stuff prepared and set up and and get going on this so that um, we don't waste everyone else's time while I'm doing it. So it's, it's going to be kind of up to you to figure out how that can happen. If it's your own family, it's a lot of people, it's probably going to be that it's going to take some time because you're going to get people, you know, posed and lined up and it's going to going to take some time to do it. But doing everything you can to try to minimize the amount of time people are standing around would be uh, would be super critical to uh, to having that mood be OK and happy and everyone as relaxed as they can be. If they're waiting 30 minutes before you even take a, a shot, that mood's going to be every minute that mood's going down. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. getting it's getting into the dreary and. Oh, is this done yet? State every minute you're waiting. So, yeah, that's that's an important aspect of that. Anything there, Brent? Uh, absolutely. And the, the what you end up getting if you do have that once they finally get into the the scene, you get that kind of stiff look. I think. Oh, sure. And yeah. it's really then hard to uh, break that because they've been anticipating this for so long, and they're finally on. You know, if you can just kind of throw them in and I, I just think I just see it going a little easier where if they're not, you know, part of the whole setup kind of thing. And what I really mean by that is like what you're saying, where they're just standing there just kind of watching. Yeah. If you do have to take the central family area, the living room, then make it an event for everybody. Yep. And and they can contribute and they just don't have their mind on, am I going to look good kind of a thing. Uh, so so that, definitely a good, good tip there for planning. Yeah. Okay, my next one is to absolutely use flash. If if you've got the flash equipment, then use it. Don't shy away from it here. And that might be like counterintuitive. You might think, well, okay, that you've already talked about like relaxed and don't stress and hurry and you plan this out, all of these things. And flash just means more time, which can be absolutely true. And I this is why I kind of love Levi's advice that he gave in that last episode. And I've I've heard him say this over and over and over <laughs> as I've had discussions with him for, for a few years now. And his advi- that's the advice of uh, when you think you need two lights, you're wrong, you need one. And when you think you need three lights, you're wrong, you need one. <laughs> this, Absolutely. I, I love that because it simplifies things. And that's part of the reason I think that Levi talks about that because um, the more complexity you add to your shoot, the more it can go wrong. And the harder it is to get things set up, the more time people are waiting for you to get things set up. And uh, and that's that's going to be a, a tough thing to do. Um, so keeping the light really simple can be really good, especially if it's a smaller group. Then 
using a single light is great. You can be able to get a really good source. Now, he doesn't say it's a single light source, really. His point really was use one light that's a powered light and then use a reflector and try to bounce some light from that light or from the ambient light or whatever it is in the room and doing it. And we're not going to go through a ton of detail in this episode on on how to set up the lights. Uh, we have lots of content about how to set up lighting equipment. And you can go listen to Levi's uh, suggestions. He gave some good suggestions on how to use a reflector and where to position some lights. But that was really for smaller groups. If it's something like 10 or more people that you, you're taking a photo of, this is like a big holiday gathering, multiple families, and, and you want to get a, a big family or grandma probably wants to get a big family portrait, then we do have an entire podcast episode in the catalog here, the back catalog of about large group lighting. And I will throw a link in the show notes so you can go check that out. It's, a, it's basically though a three light setup where two of the lights are in silver umbrellas, camera left and camera right, and one main light in the front. So kind of a three light setup. And yes, that goes against Levi's advice of if you think you need three lights, you're wrong, you need one. But, um, but it can really help on a really big group to make sure that you have some light in there. You can also like, if you are going to use just a single light, bouncing the light off of the ceiling might be a really nice way to make a big massive soft box out of the room and provide uh, just a little extra light because indoors if you're shooting indoors even though a room may look pretty bright it's not <laughs> it's not very bright unless you have a whole bunch of windows letting in ambient light yes yeah and if you want to you know mimic it to feel more quote real place that flash closer to a lamp maybe and it can feel like it's mimicking the the light of the lamp and just point it up at the ceiling, maybe point it in the direction of the people, and it bounces off the ceiling as it goes to the direction of the people. I've done that in the past. And as as far as doing a large group is concerned, several well, a couple of years ago now, I was hired to do a job for about 50 to 70 people. I don't remember how big it was, but it was after a memorial service. And it was it was outdoors, and it was so it was at the the graveside. And that was definitely one where I needed those three lights. Yeah. Because I needed this huge, effective bank of light coming in at all these people. And you're just not going to be able to do that with one light. And that's that's a challenge to set up, especially when you're outdoors and the like. But when you've got the the radio triggers and whatnot going, just practice beforehand. If this is your first time, practice three or four times beforehand. So you just got it down and you've got that confidence that you can do a good job. Right. It, it, the other thing that, to watch for, and I've made this mistake so many times, it is really hard to deal with in post, is watching where shadows come from yes. your flash. Um, yes. you, you can have a real problem if the flash looks good on one person that's kind of towards the front, but then it caused the flash hitting them causes a shadow on the person behind them. And uh, and part of their face is in shadow. That's it's a rough thing, and it's really hard to deal with. So try to pay attention to it. And I'll, I know this is tough because we're trying to stay relaxed as we're doing this. We're trying to make this be something that goes as fast as we possibly can, so that people aren't standing around. And it's just one more thing to try to remember, and that's that's hard to get it all in. That's that's why this is not a, a really easy thing to do. Um, but but trying to pay attention to that, and as you're positioning them. Uh, Levi gave some excellent advice on how to position heads. Uh, it's going to be hard if it's a group of, that's really large to make that happen. But trying to be trying to recognize that as you're doing it 
it comes a, a lot better with practice and I'm not I'm not the best at it yet. That's that's why I'm mentioning it because I've I've had to in post try to fix this a lot and it's really hard. It's not impossible, but but it's hard to fix a shadow on somebody and have it look really good. So you if you don't want to spend a ton of time on your computer trying to fix something like that, you really try to make it right in camera as you're doing it. Okay. Next one, dress. So <laughs> this tends to be a, a really big thing. When grandma or mom is really invested in this photo and they really want this photo, they also tend to be like, okay, everyone's got to wear the same clothes. We're wearing this color on the top and this color on the bottom or you know, something like that. And dress, what people are wearing can become a massive topic. And that tends to add to the grumpiness of the group. <laughs> if, they, if they're yeah. having to wear something they don't want to wear, then you end up with horrible photos. And if it's too matchy, um, that just looks tacky. And we all kind of recognize those. Where it used to be, especially in the 80s, this was a big, big thing, right? <laughs> all these people wearing exactly the same thing. Like we're all wearing the same denim jackets or whatever, whatever it is. That that was a big deal. And we all look at those photos and are like, oh, that was a bad idea. That did not look good. It looks forced. It looks unnatural. It makes people grumpy. If you can talk grandma into not having her heart set on matchy, matchy clothes, then then that's good. But also at the same time, if you give everyone kind of a little more flexibility and give them like four or five colors they can wear or something, um, asking them to avoid crazy prints and patterns is a good idea too, just because that it really sticks out. If someone's wearing a, I don't know, a, a leopard print, I don't know what it would be, some kind of crazy print, it, it really draws attention to them and draws away from the whole group. And so it, it's a touchy subject. It's really hard to work through, but you can give grandma the advice or mom or whoever's most invested. Be like, okay, you can do this, but just so you know, if you tell everyone that they have to wear orange in the photo, uh, you're going to get a bad photo. <laughs> it's not going to look good. <laughs> and uh, so, so dress, having the discussion, talking about it, it's probably better, especially if it's a really, really big group to just not even worry about it. Just like whatever you oh, wear, totally. you wear, just, just totally. come and, and be ready to, you know, play along for, 15 minutes. That's what we need. I just want you to be there, play along for 15 minutes, and we'll leave you alone after that. <laughs> All right. Uh, my next one. This is kind of a tough one for a lot of photographers to understand, especially if you've never done uh, a big shoot, big groups, big portraits. Um, in portraits, we always want to get it as tight as we can. Levi gave some great advice. We talked about that last episode, but that it's a really good one for uh, advice for portraits in general, not just outdoors, as far as shooting in tight. And uh, so go listen to that, how he talked about like, you know, no one really cares about the feet in the photos usually and, and going either, uh, you know, thigh up or waist up on the front row of people is, is, a, is great and works really well. Getting in as tight as you can on the photo is really good. And it goes with uh, even just like single photos, a single portrait. If it's a single person, then getting in there as tight as you can so that you can capture uh, the detail of the person is is really, it looks really nice to be able to have that. We don't need a ton of space in the photo. So shooting with, uh, let's see, what was his advice, Brent, on the lens? It was shooting with a zoom, right? Oh, I think so. Yeah, something, <clears throat> excuse me, something about, you know, giving yourself, you know, that flexibility, but to to make sure you 
definitely get in the, get in there. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was, uh, you know, wide angle is fine if you have to have it. Obviously, you're in, and in, and if it's a massive big group, you might have to go uh, wider than you'd like. Yeah. Uh, going too wide, like you know, getting into the I don't know, ten millimeters, fourteen millimeters. That probably won't won't work out well. Yeah, even twenty millimeters, thirty five millimeters on a full frame could still be a little too wide if you're going on a on a big group. You just want to back up if you can. But then you have the other constraint of how far back can you get from the group too? You, yes, you are might be in fairly tight quarters, and so you've got to figure out the lens. And this would be another part of it. Like you're gonna have to, you need to do this before you get the whole group engaged. Like before you even mention that we're we're going to get ready to take a big photo with the whole group because as soon as you start saying it, people are starting to dread it. <laughs> yep. So so wait as long as you can. Getting your camera set up. I mean, people might be noticing that you're getting your camera set up, and they'll be like, "Oh, great, here it comes." I hate this, but um, but it's important. You know, try to do it. Try to make it discreet. Don't don't make a big deal out of it, but. Getting your camera set up probably as far back in the room as you can, whatever that space is, and then get the the lens so that you kind of get the edge to edge of the wall, especially if it's a big group, because that's your constraints. You have to fit everybody in that room, and you probably are going to have to take a photo that has like edge to edge in the in the frame so that you you can get everybody in. So um, you know you're going to need to figure out what it is and go as as zoomed on the lens as high a millimeter number as you can get and still have it all fit in would be my advice for setting that up. The other thing to consider is, uh, and this would be important to ask grandma or mom beforehand, what they want to do as far as printing. They want this photo. It's probably not just so they can put it on their computer and have it be their background. (laughs) They probably want to print this photo. They probably want it to be something they can hang up in their room and uh, it may be even sent out as like gifts for a, a Christmas later or something like that. Send out Christmas cards. Kind of need to understand what it is they want to do with this um, because the aspect ratio can become a really huge deal on this. And it's it's a little bit challenging concept for, for people who are newer to photography to understand how this works. You get it when it's a problem. You understand it real fast when it becomes a, an issue as you go to print. But um, here's here's kind of the generic stuff on this. Most cameras natively take three by two aspect ratios. And that's a that's just the default. So there's there's three times the pixels going it's if you're shooting in portrait or sorry, landscape orientation, that it's three I don't know how to describe this very well. Three times the pixels across the bottom and two times the pixels across the top. And um, and that's that's what you've got. That's what you're using when you're shooting the, the, the photo. And that works great if the print size that you're going to do matches that ratio, the three on the bottom, two on the two vertically. Uh, like a four by six Christmas card, which is a, a really standard kind of Christmas card size. That works perfectly. You don't have to worry about losing any pixels when you go to print by having to crop it off because that's just a multiple of two there. Three by two is your your native aspect ratio. If you multiply the three and the two by two, you get four by six. That means it's a perfect fit and it's going to work. If it's eight by 10 though, or 16 by 20, now it's not a perfect fit. That's a different aspect ratio. And if you're in portrait orientation on the photo, 
that now means you're probably going to have to crop off a little from the left and a little from the right to make it fit. And so if if as you're framing things up, you get so tight that you barely fit everyone in the frame left to right, and you have to print an 8 by 10 or a 16 by 20 you probably are going to have to cut someone off <laughs> and that won't work. Or, or a shoulder and that's just as bad. Or a so shoulder, yeah. Definitely or, planning for this yeah, is, yeah. is important. So you want to get as tight as you can. Like we don't want a ton of space surrounding them, but you probably need to try to leave a little bit of space on the edges so that you can adjust and crop for printing as you're going to go print. Uh, it's, it's a tough topic. It's hard to kind of explain in audio. And as you have experience with it, you're going to figure it out. Now you can do some things like you can add a black border to the left and the right and make, and, and have that be in the print. It just, it doesn't look as good. Uh, you can try to do some content aware fill (laughs) and make up something (laughs) on the edges, right? There's some things that you can try to do, but it's way better. If you can just plan for it and make sure you have the space in the photo to do the the cropping on the print when you're done, um, so that so you have you don't have to deal with it and, and cut someone off. It's horrid when that happens. I I have done this. I've made this mistake, and it's rough. It's really hard to figure out what to do to to make it uh, come out okay. Uh, anything else you can say there, Brent? I don't I I don't think I did a good job of describing that. <laughs> well, even if Grandma, whoever's invested in this shot, even if they don't know and they can't give you an answer, go ahead and plan for that anyway. Yeah, yeah, because right, right. eight by ten is so much the standard for some reason. I mean, <laughs> loads of history in this, but it's the standard for our pictures. Thankfully, you know, for the little ones, the four by six, you know, that matches right, right. what you do in camera. But that eight by ten is definitely something that is. You go to Walmart, you go to even the best framing place, 8x10 is a standard idea of whatever it is you're going to do for a print, or 11x14, or 16x20. Right. These are just the standard sizes, and they don't match the aspect ratio, and it it gets frustrating. So I would say go ahead and plan for it anyway with that. But when you're thinking about that aspect ratio, you know, it's just... 2x by 3x if you whatever that x is it's just that aspect ratio if you were to take it by inches you could draw on a little square on your paper two inches by three inches and that is the framing aspect ratio that we're talking about you look through your camera that's what that's what we're talking about because pretty much every camera these days obviously there's a few but right there's some it's it's set to three three by two right and then you're also gonna you probably wondered if you looked at your camera menus and you're like what do I have these different settings for? Well, there's sometimes there's different settings where it makes sense to go ahead and, and make this change up, but that's what pretty much everyone shoots in. So it's why we're, why we're mentioning it. Yep. All right. So it, I know it's tough. Like we we're bringing up so many things to think about and this is probably going to add to the stress of your <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're going into this, like you're, you're doing this the first time, all of these things to think about is rough um, and, and I feel for you, you just have to get through it. You just have to do it and, and go into it. Like, I'm going to do this. And, and if stuff doesn't work out very well, I'm going to learn from it. And, uh, it, it's good. That's why practicing on your own family is a, a great way, <laughs> a great way to do this. Um, because they're going to be a little more forgiving for you, unless it's like a really critical event. Like these people have only been together one time in the last 20 years. Wow. That's pressure. And I've had several of those. <laughs> 
I've had I've had some call me on a Thanksgiving morning. I've had this happen. Oh. I've, I've had them call me on a Thanksgiving morning and say, I have family in town that we didn't even expect. They actually came and wow. we haven't been together in 20 years. Is there any chance you could come and take a photo this afternoon? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And um and so and it, it actually went really, really well. And and I was it was kind of fun to go and do it because I, I like the challenge. I respond to that well. That that's something that for me is is a positive. I know it's not for everybody. So, um, you know, talking about it, working through it in your head, doing whatever you can to prepare, is going to help. I I hope it's going to help everyone to be able to be more ready for it. And uh, and I hope that I hope these suggestions will help. All right, my last tip, and then we're going to get into some listener questions. We'll see how many we can we can get to uh, quantity. Um, this this was something that Levi came up with last week too, and and uh, that he offered us tips for the outdoor. He he suggested using a tripod, um, especially if you you have more than one person. If it's only a single person, then handheld is what I actually prefer to do, uh, so that I can move the I can move around and get different kinds of shots, different perspectives and views, and and be really nimble and fast. Uh, and even in small small groups, they need two or three people. I, I kind of like that, especially if they're all adults and not kids that you have to worry about. But when you have a big group or you have lots of young kids, it's, it's going to be a massive advantage to put your camera on a tripod. If you need to get in the photo yourself too, which is going to commonly be the case if you're doing this with your own family, you, you need to get in there then of course you're going to need to have it be on a tripod. You can't handhold it. So, um, using a tripod, setting it up and getting it in the right spot so that you can just fire that camera and go. Um, my tip here is quantity. Take a lot of shots, take way more shots than you think you need. Don't drag it out for 45 minutes to do it, but take a bunch of shots. And uh, the purpose will be for that big group. It's not even that you want multiple poses with that very big group. If it's a holiday photo that that's a big family setting, it's so that you can try to get everyone looking at the camera. I don't care what your instructions were. I don't care how hard you've set this up, how many times you've told the adults, just look straight forward to the camera. They're not. <laughs> They're not going to do it every time. Uh, the kids certainly aren't. The kids are going to be all over the place. They're going to be looking everywhere in the photos. And and so taking as many shots as you can, and this is why it's really important to have that discussion with the adults of just look at the camera. Don't look anywhere else so that you are in the right spot. You, I can control more than the others, more than the kids. So you be in the right spot so that I don't have to worry about your face and your smile and you looking. And then you try to work with each of the kids, especially if they're very young ones, calling their name and being doing something really silly so that they're looking at you and uh, you know, I, I'm not very good at that. Levi's way better at that than I am. But but, yeah. if, but if you can do that to draw their attention and have them look forward at the camera, uh, then then that's really helpful. And just try to do it one at a time. Like, don't worry about trying to get all of them to look at once because you're going to take a whole bunch of shots here. You're just going to fire them as soon as you can get that one to be looking at you and smile. Take the shot and then move to the next and be like, okay, I'm pretty sure I got that kid. Now the next one and 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 try to to do it and do it as fast as you can. Obviously, we, we want to get these people released <laughs> so they can go back to doing whatever they were doing as quickly as possible. Um, but that that's really going to help to take a whole bunch on a tripod so that in post, when you're doing in this, you can go into Photoshop and you can choose which face with them with their eyes open and as good a smile as you can on their face. 
um, to, to make it all work together is, is really good and really helpful to be able to do that. If you're not really familiar with Photoshop, this is a perfect project to make it so that you can become familiar with it. I've talked about that um, with learning Photoshop. You really need a task. You need a job that you need to accomplish. And that's going to help you to learn Photoshop. So knowing ahead of time that that's going to be the case, you're going to have to use Photoshop on this and then figuring out how to do it. There's plenty of training options to, to learn it. Uh, you can do it. You can totally do this. This is not that hard. Photoshop may feel intimidating to you, but it's not that hard. You can do this. Just plan on it and then plan on taking some time in post if you've never done it before uh, to figure out how to use Photoshop and make this work. But it's really not that hard. Anything else you have there, Brent, on quantity? Yeah, you know, you were talking about the, you know, the adults just, you know, again, re repeating the idea, make sure they're they're just doing what they need to do. And, and if you're dealing with kids, I kind of had the idea go, you know, to a party supply, whatever, and, you know, buy a clown nose or something. <laughs> right, right. And if, and, and when, if you need to, don't, don't let it be seen until you know when you need it. Right. Those kids are acting up, the adults are acting up, whatever the case is, you pop that sucker on and say, look at my nose or whatever, what happened to my nose or something like that. If you can break the ice and be extra goofy and stuff like that, I think you might, you're going to get some laughs, you're going to get you know, that more natural smile kind of coming, whatever it is that you can do, it doesn't have to be a clown nose, but whatever it is you can do that kind of is your little ace card, so to speak, that you can play that resets everything back to you when things get out of hand. Because if you're dealing with children, there's probably a good chance things are going to get out of hand. I have four of them from five to 16. <laughs> and I know from experience, oh my goodness, but it's, it is a lot of fun too, to try and find ways because you know i also have every personality in, in, in amongst those kids too and for working with those different personalities something that's a little goofy something that's a little uh off like that is almost always a winner yeah. and and that's probably the that and then like, like what you said with photoshop it's it's a lot of fun to do those kinds of things in photoshop and you are so right i was just working with someone this week on a project and he was like I've like never been in Photoshop before. And it's like, well, so I gave him a few tips and actually recorded a video for him. And it's just like, here you go. And it's like, oh my goodness, you know, the, the power here. <laughs> right. When you have that project and you have a specific goal in mind, it can get really good for you as far as you've got that honed in approach. You know what you want to do. You just got to figure it out now. Yeah. Yep. You're having a plan there. And another thing I meant to mention and I didn't with the kids, having a treat that they really like um, which you'd kind of sure. you need to figure that out beforehand. But if they have a treat they really like, then of course bribing that's that's perfect. <laughs> Bribery is going to work really well here, and uh, and and have that treat ready. Be like, I'm going to give you this. All you have to do is just look at me and smile, and and let's let's take a photo. This is going to be really fun. We're going to make a picture right now, and um, it. I don't know. You got to kind of know the kids a little bit, but go ahead. Some of the cutest photos I've made of my kids are literally them crunching down on a cookie. Sure. So go ahead and take a picture of them crunching down on that cookie. And when they're done, okay, get in there really quick and wipe off the chocolate stains off their lips or whatever. But, uh, you know, there's, there's still going to be that five seconds worth when they're done where you can get it without the cookie too. Right. Right. Okay. So those are the basic tips I have for this, the basic things to try to do. 
Uh, I for someone that's just like never done this before, I'm sure all of that can feel really overwhelming and challenging. Um, try I don't know I don't know how you can make it so that you can overcome those feelings. Um, and and I still feel as I'm getting ready, like like I said, I I got that call on a Thanksgiving morning. Man, butterflies came immediately, right? I was like, oh my gosh, this is a family that they they told me we will probably never be together again in our life. Like, this oh, is it. This is the pressure. only time. And uh, yeah, immediately I was like, oh, can I do this? <laughs> I felt the pressure, even though I had been doing family portraits for a few years at this point, very well versed in lighting. I, I knew how to, I, I, had, I should have had full confidence going into that photo that I can do this. This is not a big deal. I've done this a lot. I can make this work. But just knowing that I get one shot at this and mm-hmm. this is never going to happen again and I've got to nail it, it just still put on the pressure. And so I, I, I guess, you know, however you deal with pressure, you're going to have to try to use that here. Maybe you don't know how you deal with pressure and it's going to take some time to get used to it. I don't know. But for me... I had to kind of just recognize it and be like, okay, I know I can do this. I've done this a lot. This is no different than the times I've set it up in my house to shoot my own family. So the, the, the concepts are all exactly the same. I can do this. And uh, and then I, I just like, you know, faked it as I went in that room. <laughs> like we talked about, fake it till you make it. I faked mm-hmm. it. I went in there. I was like, I am going to be the actor right now in this scene (laughs) that is totally confident. Like, I'm going to nail this. We got this. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be bubbly, which is not normally my full personality here. (laughs) And and I'm going to, I'm going to make a great photo. We're going to do this. And then, you know, I played that role, even though deep down I had this nervousness that worked for me to be able to get in there and respond to that situation. And it's helped since I did that and it worked out great. Uh, it you know you build confidence shoot after shoot after shoot you're building confidence to to where you you feel like you can really nail this and uh, I don't know how you you really like you're gonna have to decide for yourself what's gonna help you uh, to make it so that you can feel super that confidence as you're going in there but maybe it's just the fake it till you make it attitude go in there just psyching yourself up like I can do this I got this even though I've never done it before I've got this that's <laughs> and, right yeah make it happen. All right, we have a few listener questions. Uh, Brent, I think I only have time for one. Do you want to pick just one here? Let's just go with the first one. Okay, we're, we're going to go with the first one. We have a ton of really good ones. Maybe we'll have to do another episode to just talk about listener questions because they're still coming per- in too. So Perfect stuff for next week. Yeah, yeah. already lined up. That'd yeah. be great. All right, I think we'll, we'll try to do the, another episode talking about these questions because they're really good ones, really good, important things to do. All right. So the first, the the one that we're going to do is coming from, uh oh, it's a name that's going to be hard. Mara Ostermeyer Shack. I, I think you got it. Okay. Oh gosh. That's what I would say. Names are so bad. This is hard, but you know, we have to try. So I tried. I'm sorry, Mara. I hope I got it. Okay. Here we go. Uh, her, the, the question from Mara getting the subject well lit and in focus with blurred Christmas lights behind them. All right, Brent, tell me, how would you set this up? I can just envision this. I I just love this kind of shot. So depending on what your Christmas lights are, like it's the Christmas tree or whatever it is, we'll just maybe assume it's the tree or something like that. 
So we're probably going to use our flash to because they want it well lit. Right. Uh, right. If you, if you have some other lighting that is not your flash, but you can still set up like what we call a hot light, you know that would still be fine. The the important thing is to look to balance that light so those blurred Christmas lights behind them still have their color and they aren't overly dark and they aren't overly bright and you want to do what you can to balance that lighting. So as we talked about in last week's episode, get your ambient exposure going, get that going where you want it for those background lights. And then when you put your person in there, adjust the flash settings and such for them. But with this, with those blurred Christmas lights, you definitely want a bit of a longer lens. You want that shallow depth of field. And there's two things primarily that give you that shallow depth of field. That's a longer lens and that is a wider aperture. And if you can have those two things going, also the distance between you and your subject definitely helps with enhancing the shallowness of your depth of field. And then by spreading more distance from your subject to the background helps. But then those lights might start to fall away and they might be too far away. And so you want to balance all of that out. Another thing I would say is rather than those tiny little Christmas lights that everyone has and they look awesome, get those big ones. Those big ones like from the 70s or whatever, where they're just, you know, the bulbs themselves are at least three quarters of an inch across. And when you have that larger light source, that's going to just create a bigger sense of this out of focus blob that's hanging in the background and that will emphasize that blurred christmas light feel right yep yeah it's in the increasing the distance between the subject and those lights in the background you need to get them back there so that they are they can be out of focus as you're shooting uh it's, it's really fun i'd also suggest try it with you if you have only have like the really tiny baby christmas lights that go on like the christmas tree Putting, yeah. try try arranging them in front of the person, like right in by the lens. Yes, yes. Because that that produces a really fun effect too of having those lights be kind of surrounding them, and um and it's really super easy to blur those. Of course, that's that's trivial to make those be blurred out. Even with a stop down aperture, you can get that to blur out, and uh, and then and then use the lighting and, and make sure it's not covering the subject, the model. But it's a really fun effect to have them in front as well. And it's a shot that not a lot of people do these days. So it would be a little different too. It'd be, it's kind of that. Fun. Yeah. Good idea. I love that idea. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. I've seen, uh, there's a couple of Facebook groups I'm in just, I, I like getting ideas. And so I, I'm in a few portrait Facebook groups and, uh, I've seen that done quite a few times over the last couple of years. And I love it every time I see it, I'm like, Oh, that is, that is a really pretty portrait and, uh, it's fun. Okay. We're going to close up this show. I think we will continue. So everyone who offered questions, we're going to do another one. We're going to do another another episode on this because there's just so much here that will be fun. Uh, let's do our doodads of the week. I'm going to start off, Brent. And I, mine's going to be a Black Friday sale on the Create Photography Retreat. So as you're listening to this, you're only going to have a few days. You'll have till December 1st to be able to go and get the Black Friday ticket price for the Create Photography Retreat and get 20% off of that ticket price. Now, the ticket price is already a ridiculously low $497. That is really, really inexpensive for a conference. If you've ever tried to go to a photography conference, 
you'll know that that is tiny amount of money to spend. And it's such a great investment. That is $497, way better to spend on yourself and training and, and learning how to do photography than it is that next lens or try and upgrade your camera. You can do so much more with this, that money invested in yourself. And uh, and you'll take 100 bucks off with that 20% off with Black Friday down to 397 So uh, I'd love to have you come join me at the Great Photography Retreat. I'll have a link in the show notes. And uh, and I'd, I'd love to have you go and, and take advantage of that Black Friday sale that will end December 1st. So uh, so go check that out. Brent, what do you have for us? I I that 397 even just yes I mean you say the 497 is tiny this this is even better oh yeah I just I can't <laughs> what I'm trying to do is think about the timing to approach my boss about this so I can actually <laughs> get that time off since it is right at the beginning of the quarter uh next school year but man I it crossing my fingers I have for mine I'm gonna try out I think the Zeiss Loxia 21 millimeter f2.8 and that is specifically their line of lenses for the Sony E-mount. And so I'll probably also talk toss in a, a Sony uh, full-frame camera for that. Probably not going to do the the Mark IV, the A7 Mark R Mark IV. That's just a little out of my budget, even for a rental. Uh, but I'm going to use uh, the lens rentals. They do have a, a 30% off for Black Friday. I forget the exact details. Um, do it soon and have it arrive before February 28, I think it is. And you can use LRBF19, and that's 30% off. And then there's a link, of course, in the show notes for that. Excellent. All right. We want to remind everyone, masterphotographypodcast.com for the show notes with that listener survey. Please go help us with that information. You can join the Facebook group, Master Photography Podcast. There's a link in the show notes to that. My work, you can find me at jsharmanphotos.com. My other podcast, phototacopodcast.com. Uh, break down a lot of technical topics and talk about uh, wonderful thing, tips, lots of good tips about how you can do uh, lots of different types of photography. Brent, where can people find you? Mostly at my main website, just my name, brentbergherm.com, then latitudephotographypodcast.com. That's the, the podcast I do focusing on things interesting to travel and outdoor type photographers. And I just finished the creation of my box set for uh, the 2019 best of images uh certainly on instagram i've shared some of those images there uh instagram so dot com slash my name brent berkham got a youtube channel and certainly there's uh, my online course as well for learning how to print all of the details about color calibration all of that good stuff there on that course that's excellent it. perfect okay thanks so much everybody for listening happy thanksgiving again to all of those in the united states and uh, we'll see you again in another seven days. <laughs> <laughs>